Hello, my name's Frank and I'm the host of the UFO Thinker podcast. I'd always been mildly interested in UFOs, but like many people, the events of 2017 ignited a fire of curiosity for the UFO topic, which has been raging ever since. I wanted to start a podcast, but initially thought, well, I'm not an astrophysicist, I'm not a fighter pilot, and I've never even seen a UFO. I'm just a normal guy who's interested in this mystery. But that's when a light bulb went off. There are so many other people just like me who are fascinated with this stuff. So why not start a podcast to talk about it from the ordinary guy's perspective? All the BS stripped away, as a few people have said. And let's see if we can get to the truth in all of this. Thanks to everyone who's been on board with the journey so far. It's been amazing to see so many listeners tuning in. And if you're new here, welcome. You can now support the podcast on Patreon with tiers starting from £3 per month. The podcast will always be 100% free, but supporting the show in this way allows me to devote more time and make the show bigger and better. Higher tiers also include special benefits such as being able to suggest episode topics and get merchandise. And I really truly appreciate every listener whether you support on Patreon or not. So now with all of that said, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank and let's get cracking. So today is another one in the little series that I've started doing called Voices of the Community. So it's all about bringing people who are not necessarily, you know, UFO celebrities and, you know, astrophysicists or, you know, um, ex-intelligence people and things like that. Just kind of regular people who I've come across on my travels who have got interesting things to say or in some cases have had some pretty mind-blowing experiences of ufos themselves and um nick who i've got on the show today is definitely somebody in that category and so we've kind of talked here and there um over the last few months since i started the podcast nick was one of the people who, who reached out and then we actually had the chance to meet up in person as well so the conversation we're about to get into is a conversation myself and nick had um probably a week or two ago now um, and uh, I really enjoyed the conversation so I hope you guys like listening to it as well some very intense experiences that Nick had involving UFOs of various different shapes over the years so let's get into it it's my pleasure to welcome to the show today Nick Gadman Agent Black Acid on Twitter and um, I know you as uh, somebody who, who comments a lot on the, the UFO Twitter world, and, and we actually had the chance to meet in person recently at the uh, Minicon in, in Preston. Uh, but for anybody who's, who's not familiar with you, Nick, would you just like to go into a little bit of background about yourself and what got you interested in UFOs? Um, well, I suppose being, a, being born in the 70s, I was born mid-70s, so you know I'm a, I'm a late 70s early 80s kid and I think there was just a lot of stuff going on around that time um even though you've got NASA was winding down in the US I think in the UK you know we had a really big you know there was there was we had a really there was NASA was still quite um you know a big thing over here you know, I was really into the Skylab um Voyager Viking um, projects that were going on. Um, I had a lot of books about this, you know, about, about these things. Um, you know, you grow up with Star Wars, 
and so you you kind of you kind of segue into UFOs as as you know as, you kind of segue into UFOs being part of the sci-fi thing. Um, one of the things that I was into, I remember going to a second-hand bookshop, um, and I got a book called um, called UFO. I've got it here actually, UFO by um, Robert Chapman, Flying Saucers Over Britain, um, and it it just kind of caught my imagination. But then in the mid eighties, um, looking up into the sky, my dad used to take me to you know, my dad, my dad used to always point out constellations to me. You know, there's the plow. This is Venus. This is Mars. I remember having a lot of books, like I said, about the NASA Viking projects. We just, it was just a time where you're interested in all that kind of stuff. And I had my own experience in the mid eighties um, that really kind of changed the way that I looked at things. You know, I, th- I think I was looking at the universe as being something that was kind of broad, wide, and infinite. But um, yeah, the, the 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 experience that I had in the mid '80s with what people call, you know, what is now the Black Triangle, that kind of changed my viewpoint. But funnily enough, I drifted off UFOs and got into music. And I, I, if you have such a bizarre experience, which, I, like I say, I'll go into detail about the Black Triangle more in a moment. I think a lot of people would think if you see a UFO, then, wow, you know, your life changes, and it does in a way, but life kind of changes as well. And, you know, when you start when you start growing up, you get into all sorts of different things. Music really took over my life, and I kind of forgot about UFOs to a degree. They were always there in the back of my mind because I'm kind of a um, – I'm kind of a um, – my outlook on life has always been I don't believe in God – but I don't disbelieve in God because I can't prove he doesn't exist. I don't believe in ghosts because the scientific part of me says, you know, go, how can ghosts exist? But then I can't prove that ghosts don't exist. So I don't disbelieve in ghosts. So, uh, you know, I've always been kind of open-minded in a spiritual sense to believe that I've never believed in anything one way or another, if you know what I mean. I'm kind of like, well, I'm open-minded. I can't prove it right. I can't prove it wrong, so I'm not going to completely disbelieve. Anyway, long story short, um, I think I kind of forgot about the UFO experience until like the mid-2000s to the late 2000s when YouTube started gaining a real prevalence. Um. I got into a, there's a lot of YouTube videos started popping up of really good UFOs. There was a channel called Ace Brian Ox Seven. Older UFO enthusiasts might remember this guy because the videos that he had would blow UFO Twitter's mind now. Because these were all stuff that was recorded on VHS in like this in the 80s, 90s on camcorder, stuff that could not be manipulated by CGI, and it was. Um, he had some very astounding videos, and for some reason, his channel got pulled. Anyway, so uh, go, uh, so I started that kind of got me into like the James Fox documentaries. Um, I know what I saw um, out of the you know all of those James. So I started re you know kind of researching UFOs again, just as a fad for about six six months to a year. And I think one another trigger of that was actually the Windows Seven startup logo reminded me of the um the black triangle that i'd seen so i had about six months of a year in ufos again but um i kind of drifted off again got back into music didn't really think about it until 2020 
when during the lockdown, I saw the most crazy, um, I had the most crazy UAP experience um, in 2020. And then I started digging into the, um, I, I went online. I, I couldn't believe that in the 10 years that I'd been gone, the 10, 12 years that I'd been gone from being interested in UFOs, that 2017 had happened, the Nimitz had happened, and there was this explosion online of, well, there was this explosion in the community or in in the you know in the world, it had all blown up, and you know the United States government had finally admitted that these things were real, and here's me in twenty, like I say, I got back into it because of the fact of uh, I had a new experience. Yeah, no, no, that's 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 really interesting, and it's it's uh, it's funny you mention about like being a kid, you know, back in those days, and I had a similar sort of thing of getting into UFOs when I was younger. Um, with a book called, uh, I've mentioned on the podcast before, is Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World, which I think was actually a companion book to a TV series, which I'd never seen. Yeah. But I think it was just me, me nan or something bought uh, this book for me. or I can't really remember. It might have come from a car boot sale. But anyway, I ended up with this book. And um, and it had all kinds of mysterious things in it, like sea monsters and all sorts. But it also had a section about UFOs. And I really sort of read that book like five times. And like you say, that those days I, were sort of like before, you know, YouTube and the internet and everything. So it was a totally different way, really, of getting into, you know, a topic like, you know, UFOs. And that was kind of my little way in as well. Sci-fi, I was obsessed with uh, E.T., you know, the, the Spielberg movie. And that book, so I kind of just when you said about those there, it sort of reminded me of my little way into the topic, and I did a similar thing. I sort of like ended up drifting away, and sort of saw it as more sci-fi, and really got back into it over the last few years. But you mentioned about the um, uh, a black triangle um, in the in the mid eighties. Um, is, is that something that you actually saw? Did you see a black triangle, or was it more just that was like there was reported sightings, and you saw the reports? No, I, I saw it in around, it must have been around 86, maybe 85 or 86. And basically, and here, here's the weird thing. I would have never started this story the way I'm going to start it now previously because basically I, I, I felt like I needed to look up at the sky and I said to the kids on the street, "Let's look for UFOs." And that sounds ridiculous because if you're a seven, if you're like a ten year, ten year old kid or whatever, let's look for UFOs. Of course, you're going to see UFOs. You're going to see a satellite, or you're going to see a plane, or you're going to see a helicopter. It's a UFO. But that wasn't it. What I found subsequently is I, f- I felt compelled to look at the sky, and in my head, it was like we've got to look for UFOs. And there was like seven stars in a boomerang. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They were like spanning the, from left to right, the the, the, the span of the sky, but it, they were in a line and you could see them all moving together and they weren't going really fast, but they must have been really high up. But they, they moved across the sky and I think they must have took about five minutes, you know, just to cover from one end of the sky to the next. They they went, anyway, after, after a few minutes, I was watching this for like 10 minutes, kept saying, look at this, look at this. And the kids, the other kids didn't care. They all went in. And at the end of the road, we had um, a field. So I, like, they, they, the kids had all gone in by this point. I walked up on the field and I'm just stood there. And, like, look, I'm, I'm used to, I live near Manchester Airport, so I'm used to watching planes taxi, circle, take off, land. I know what a plane looks like. I know what a helicopter looks like. So I'm stood there on the field. 
And the next thing, and the planes always go from one direction to the next. I think um, right off the top of my head, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, but it's probably from a, from a, like, um, an easterly direction to a westerly direction from my point. Planes come in to land that way and they come in pretty low and you, it's a plane landing, you know what it is. This thing kind of completely came up in an, an opposite direction. It came from a southerly direction to a northerly direction, but it looked like a plane coming in to land. It's a bunch of lights coming at me. And I'm like, that's not the that's not the runway. And it was really low and it just came across this bunch of trees. And it was like, you know, you've got your one, two, three. It almost almost looked like a plane in the fact that the way that the lights were shaped, but none of them were flashing. They were just all solid lights. And it kind of, once it came over the trees and came over my head, it just parks above me. And I'm like, that's not a plane. And it was, you know, against the sky. I mean, I can't remember what exactly what i saw it was it was a black triangle but it's hard to remember what i saw prior to this because all of the lights the the just started dancing in a in a in a geometric pattern that all kind of changed shape with each other the only thing i can compare it to is the windows 7 startup logo you can find that on youtube the way that the the, the four windows separate and then start dancing that's what this thing did but it was right above my head um, and it was it looked about the size of a passenger plane. This thing was huge. If a passenger plane comes into land, and I mean like a, a decent sized passenger plane, they look really big in Stockport where I am. You could, you know they, they're very big. They're right. They're very imposing and big. That's what this looked like. But it was going. It was not going to land at the airport. It was going from south to not, a southerly direction to a northerly. Whereas this was, uh, you know, like I say, the, the planes coming in go from, you know, from an easterly to west. But the, the lights just started dancing. They were just spinning round. I get the feeling it was probably scanning me. And after about 30 seconds to a minute of doing this, it hung there. And then it just went off north in a completely silent. Wow. That's pretty pretty crazy thing to happen when you're a, a youngster. <laughs> but did you get the impression then that the um the the the, the light points were, were um kind of like individual sort of like craft or something or or like um, part of a, a bigger craft? Like when you say it was a black triangle, could you see stars or anything or was it literally just a triangular shape blocked out? When I saw the seven stars in the sky, the word that sprung into my mind was fleet. Hmm. When I saw this one, it was a solid craft. It was, it was a you know, but I am going back like, you know, 35 years, you know, so I'm 45 now. I was about, I was around about 10 35 years so your memory gets a bit messed up but, but i remember what i mm. saw because i've actually got um when i saw the windows logo i actually went back and actually did um, um a design of it and it was a black triangle with different colored lights um i think part of that was um you know like i said i think part of that is is inspired by the windows logo but i got i got flashbacks when i saw that windows 7 start i was like that that is what i saw when i was a kid yeah. So, and it was it these like so the the triangle that came across. I mean, obviously, I know it's a long time ago, but from what you can remember, the the triangle that came across was initially fixed like in a triangle shape, and then yeah. as that as that got overhead, that's when the the light started to move, and then yeah. went. Did it go back to a triangle shape before it travelled yeah. away? Yeah, it went back to the exact same starting point, and this is what I couldn't get my head around because it's it was a black triangle vehicle. And I'd never heard of a black triangle before. 
Because back in the, like, this is about 1985. Now there was, there was no internet, there's nothing. But it was all about flying saucers. Black triangles weren't a thing. The only reason why I decided to look into this more was because about, um, I think in about 1989, there was reports in the Manchester Evening News over of a spate of black triangles over Manchester. And I picked up the phone and I phoned the phone number and it spoke to the guy. I was like, you'll never, I saw this like three, four years ago. And I remember talking to him for like 40, 50 minutes and he was telling me all about UFOs. But, um, but yeah, I saw this individually and then there was a spate of black, and that was around 89 would have been around the time of the Belgium. And I, th- I think Manchester had, um, had, a, had a spate of the Belgian black triangles as well. But I saw mm. this four years, about three or four years before. Wow, that's really interesting, man. I mean, uh, the the black triangles in particular is like the 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 one that haunts me, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm fascinated by the tic tac, and you hear people, especially like aviation type people, are really interested in the tic tac because of its capabilities and things like that. But something yeah. about the black triangles, man, it just it haunts me. You know what I mean? It's the one shape of of supposed craft that uh, that always kind of. I come back to and I would I would love to see the most I think I'll tell you what I remember I I didn't feel scared by it I felt in awe of it I was just intrigued by it and found it fascinating I didn't find it scary or ominous in any way but did it project so I don't know it, it but the funny thing as well is um that, you know it's, it's just something funny about when you when you see these things it's like you know, like I'll get onto the, the you know, this metallic spheres later on. There's just something about them that it's just kind of very nuts and bolts. It's it's it, when you're seeing it, even though you know that it's a, it's that's not um, that's not from this earth. We don't have that kind of technology. But at the same time, um, you know, there's kind of something down to earth about it because it's so nuts and bolts. You're like, that's a solid craft. But then when the lights moved. That was just the craziest thing. So I'm like, well, how does that happen? Because, like I said, I'm used to aircraft coming in, and, and lights are fixed points. The 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 glued into metal, the wedged in. They're mm. not, you know, they're completely solid into an aircraft. So how did this thing spin around like that? I don't, you know, no idea how that works. So what was the um, what was kind of the, once the triangle moved away? What what was the kind of like reaction in that immediate moment? Was it kind of like a bit shocked? You said you weren't really scared. Did you? you know, just kind of go back in the house and, and carry on. I've heard, you know, reports of sometimes when people do have sightings that they kind of inexplicably just kind of click back into normal reality and carry on with the rest of their evening. So was kind it like of, that or? I kind of sat and thought about it all night, I think. I was just blown away by it. You know, it's just, you know, wow, that's that's amazing. But like I say, it, it, there's something kind of, even though there's something out of the out of this world about it, there's also something kind of mundane about it. And what I mean by that is it's this is just part of the universe. It's even though it's something that we're not told about and it's not something that is in the common vernacular, it's it's there. It is what it is. So you know, yeah, yeah you go back to normality pretty quickly, but it never leaves you. Something like that, it scars you, it tattoos you. And in fact, the, the designs that I did, um, uh, like, like I was saying about, you know, I, I was actually, pretend, I, was gonna, I was going to get, I actually designed a tattoo to get on my arm, which I, I never ended up going through with, but it, uh, of the light spinning round of a black triangle. Um, but I have that design still because it's just something that's seared in your memory. You can't forget something like that. 
Cool, man. Well, just for anyone who's wondering what that little noise is, we are joined on today's episode by Nick's cat. <laughs> so, welcome to the podcast, Nick's cat. Um, but yeah, moving on to um, uh, well, quite a few years later, wasn't it? You you started to have some fairly regular sightings of, of kind of spheres and, and various other shaped objects. So, would you like to get into that? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So despite the black triangle being in it a really that was a fantastic experience that you know life you'd still move on with life i mean the next day is the next day you move on and things happen and i say over the years i kind of drifted away from ufology but during the lockdown even though we were told you stay in your house you can't go out for more than an hour i'll be honest i i I just went to country parks and walked by rivers because i could not stay in my house for 24 hours a day practically you know I, I thought that was ridiculous you know so anyway I, I i just spent a lot of time walking sorry but i did I, you can't infect anybody in the countryside i'm sorry but i started walking down by the river mersey um and I, I did a two and a half mile walk sat down had a rest and i'm just sat by the river really enjoying nature and i looked up and there was this flashing light in the sky and at first, I'm thinking, that's strange. It's got to be a sas- uh, satellite or something. I'd seen a Cessna come across my point of view at- before that. And I'd, I've, you know, I'm just casually looking up. And this blinking light, I think it was like every 1.5 seconds, it would go flash, flash, flash. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't, like I say, it wasn't every second. It was slightly delayed. So I'm sat watching this thing for about, and it, it's it's kind of it's not directly above me at this point. It's a little bit to the left, but I'm just sat there looking at it, and I'm like, that is really weird because that's not like that's not. I, I think when you see a, when you see something like a black triangle or a UFO, whatever the thing is, any rational person goes, it's got to be a balloon, it's got to be a satellite, it's got to be a plane, it's got to you 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 really do go through the checklist of prosaic explanations you're not going oh, i've seen a ufo you really for a long time it's like it's these minutes and i'm for minutes i'm looking at this thing going that's not right because it, it's there it's like it must be only a, a mile or so above my head now as the more i watched this thing it came directly above me moving across the sky and then i realized it was literally only like a mile or two above my head so when it gets right above me it stopped and it was not moving across the sky anymore. Then it started coming down from a point. Now, I, the problem is, is when you're looking at objects in the sky, you have no point of reference. I had trees there. I had, you know, I, you know, you've got different things on the, in the landscape, but an object against a blue sky, it could be ten miles away. It could be five hundred feet away, depending on the size of the object. You don't know what it is. So you're trying to focus on this thing, but it got to a point where I would say, let's, let's just say for sake of arguing, it was just over a mile above my head, and then it came down to about 500 feet, and I could clearly see it was a metal ball, like a sphere, and I can only guess I could be wrong, but maybe a foot and a half, maybe two feet, maybe three feet, I don't know. Again, depending on the size and distance, but this thing must have been about, 
you know, a couple of feet wide, let's say. Um, and it looked to all purposes like a, 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 a metal sphere and it was spinning. And the, the, the 1.5 second blink of light was either a reflection or an emission. To this day, I still couldn't tell you what, what it was. But this thing dropped from, let's, let's say, a mile to about 500 feet to half a mile above my head until I could see it was a metal ball and it would hang there and it was spinning and then it would go back up to the mile and then if suddenly it was just a flashing light in the sky and then it would go down and it's a metal ball. It's got no flight surfaces. It's not a drone. It's a ball. It's a metal ball. And I watched this thing for 15 minutes. So as I'm watching this thing for 15 minutes, there's a few dog walkers and I'm dying to say to the dog walker, can you see this? I'm thinking, I don't know. I've got to see like a loon pointing at this metal ball in the sky. So I just sat there watching it for te- good 10, 15 minutes. And then I realized it had actually started moving away to the right. And it was going from a, um, from a westerly direction to an easterly direction. And it was easily good 10 or 15 minutes. It was a long time I was looking at this thing. Then I noticed it had actually moved slightly across the sky because I had to turn my body to look at it. When I turned my body to look at it, there was another one about a mile in the opposite direction, just hanging there, doing the same thing. So the one I'd been watching for 10, 15 minutes moves in an easterly direction. The, I, I suddenly noticed there's the other one over there, and I'm like, no way. And when the one I'd been watching goes to a certain point in the sky and gets to a certain distance of the other one, they both then move off in formation across over towards Stockport. So I think, right, that's crazy. I thought that was crazy. And I'm, I'm, this is brilliant. No way. And I'm just like, I've seen a UFO. That's clearly a UFO because what the hell else is it? It's not a drone. I'm, t- I'm telling you right now, it's not a drone. So I started walking back down by the river, like texting people on WhatsApp going, I've just seen a UFO. This is really great. This is great. And I get, I walked about two and a half miles back down the river. And when I get to the, when I get to Stockport town center, you come out of the river and just before you get to back to civilization from this little nature walk, there's a few office buildings and I look over the office building and my stomach turned because hanging over Stockport, about half a mile off the ground and about a mile away from me is a big white egg. <laughs> Seriously, right? And I can't tell you how, how I describe this thing I could, because there's no, like, I have no description for the color that it was. It was like, I call it metallic white because it's somewhere between silver and white, but I don't know what this texture or color is because i haven't ever seen anything like it and it was just hanging there really low um and but my the the, the those probes I, I figured they were probes they didn't really i just thought they were funny i was just like wow but when i saw the egg my stomach turned and i think the reason why my stomach turned was because this thing was at least the size of a car and there's just something about it i was a little bit ominous and i don't think in a in a, in a nasty way I think that was occupied. I would just, I'm, I'm just completely pulling stuff out of the area, but I assume that those two probes came down, looked at 
the ground and every and then this white egg that was occupied came and had a look that would be my my intuition on the subject because like i said the the, the probes didn't really um the probes didn't really phase me but that the egg thing was pretty big and it, it it was just something ominous about it yeah so the the egg's an interesting one isn't it because you hear you know accounts of crash retrievals and things like that from from over the years various different accounts mention an egg shape you know was was there any markings that you could make out or was it a little bit too far away for that or any nope. lights or anything no nope. it was no no lights no markings no nothing i mean i took a photo of it but the problem is is um you know you I mean, I've I've just got a basic. I mean, my phone is just for standard purposes. I used to go for the top top of the line phone. Now I just go for something that's got good battery life. Good, good battery life. It's gonna last. It's, it's solid. I took a picture of this thing, and it was like, from what I could see, you know, this picture just didn't do it any justice whatsoever. And even when I zoomed in, it just didn't do it any justice. Um, but no, no. But again, even though I'd seen those two, um, even those two, I'd seen the two spheres. I um when I saw the when I saw the egg again I was like trying to rationalize it's got to be a balloon it must be this it must be that you know and I'd just seen two UFOs so I I should have been primed to go oh look another UFO but I wasn't I was like no because this was something completely different and I think the thing is is what I don't think I don't think a lot of people understand is I, I think a lot of people who see um unidentified aerial phenomena or whatever you want to call them you go through a checklist to try and rationalize it. And then in the end, when you can't rationalize it, you're saying that is, that's completely unknown. I don't know what that is. And I think for those people to come forward and admit that that's what they've seen, takes a little bit of, you know, confidence and courage and, you know, honesty, because you'd know it if you saw it, you, you just know, well, there's something really strange about that. And like I said, my stomach turned when I saw the egg because there was just something ominous about it. And as I say, it wasn't scary, but it was ominous. And I, I, I think it was occupied. I think that that was a craft with something inside it. Mm-hmm. Just like a feeling that you got that there was there's something on board or some someone on board. Yeah, well, kind of- exactly. I mean, I, when looking at the orbs, I had no problem. But when I saw the egg, my stomach literally turned over. And when I saw the black triangle the first time, I was kind of in awe, but then I was a little kid. I probably didn't have the... Um, you know, the wherewithal, but yeah, when I saw the egg, there was just something ominous about it. And I'm I've, guessing then you were walking um, through the nature park during the day. I'm guessing that it was still light, was it, when you saw the egg, or was that this more was, of a evening? Yeah, mid, mid, no, midday. I saw mid-day. I saw these things in broad daylight, and that's the funny thing about these experiences, all the things that I've seen of it in broad daylight. And the funny thing is, is I now look for UFOs in the day. I don't look for them at night because the problem is, is at the night, um lights can be conflicting and um it basically you know misidentifications i think are a lot easier at night the reason why i will be staunch about what i have seen is because i saw them in broad daylight and there's no there's no um for me i don't fear any element of misidentification because i've seen i clearly saw a giant metal egg, <laughs> I saw a giant metal egg in the sky i saw two spheres that had no propellers or flight surfaces rotating in the sky doing you know doing strange things i i can say without a shadow of a doubt i could see them very clearly 
and they were not uh, terrestrial. They were, they were not. They, they weren't made on this planet. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's definitely fascinating, and it's one of the reasons that you know I wanted to to get you on to talk about it because it's it's particularly uh, interesting to me that, like you say, these things happen during the day. You know, notoriously uh, difficult to to get good footage of, aren't they, these types of things, you know, with them always being relatively distant. But um, you, you have shown me a, a snippet of, of an actual video as well a, a while back, and um, it definitely definitely is an interesting video. You know, I, I certainly don't have an explanation for it. But then you went on to also see some more of these things, didn't you, as well, the metal spheres and doing some unusual movements as well, and I believe even a, like a, one of those shape-shifting type of UFOs as well. This is, to me, what is more um, strange and interesting. I, I wish sceptics could see this. I really wish sceptics could have these experiences because, you know, it it, it, it would blow. I mean, I love sceptics, don't get me wrong, but um, what I'm saying is debunkers more like because it would blow your mind. The next story, that the, the next part of this story occurred almost a year later. I was... Going back down, like basically, I kind of like where 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 Stockport Station is, Stockport Train Station. There's a rear entrance to Stockport Train Station, and I'm about five minutes away from there. And this is important to the story um, about what you were saying about the video that I sent you, and it will answer some pictures. It will answer some questions later about why can't you get good footage. But that's 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 not the story to tell yet. Basically, I was walking. I left my house, I walked down the road, five minutes, I um five minutes later I get to stop the, the back end of Stockport train station. And I'm about to go down the hill, and at the bottom of the hill is the Mersey, and then the hill goes back up and Stockport Viaduct spans um that location. And I think the geography is important because as I say, it'll come. It'll come up in later stories because I'd first seen the first seen the, the spheres when I was down by the Mersey. The next time I saw, saw the spheres, they were closer to my house and they were above Stockport Station. So this is one year later. I can't remember the exact date. The first day, I first saw, that was March twenty, uh, May twenty first, um, twenty twenty was when I saw those spheres in the egg, and then it was like the beginning of June twenty twenty one. I'm just walking down this hill. And I, I, I looked up, I saw a drone whiz past my head. So I looked up and watched the drone and went, oh, right, that's cool. And somebody was clearly, um, I, I keep seeing this drone everywhere. There's a lot of kind of, um, anyway, I keep seeing this drone everywhere. It caught my attention. And then when I looked up over Stockport Station, there were those two. There were two metal spheres, either the same ones or identical to the ones that I'd seen before. And this was, um, this is like I say, a year later, June this year. And now these things are only like um, a couple of hundred feet off the ground and a couple of hundred feet away from me, and they're like just there. It, like what you know? No way metal spheres again and they're there doing the same spinning 1.5 second blink i'm looking at these things but they are um dancing in tandem 
they're like kind of over the train station, not quite towards the viaduct, not quite towards Stockport train station. But I think the reason why I'm using geography is because, you know, this is a small town. It's, a, it's you know, it's a small town that we almost went for city status. There's a hub of activity around this area. So clearly these things were interested in the technology and the trains, the infrastructure where the town centre is. That's where all the, you know, where, where, where things are happening. But anyway, these things are just, this is so hard to describe. <laughs> they, they were, um, smack my microphone. These things were dancing with each other. They were, they were, you know, they were maybe like um, 50 to 100 feet apart from each other. Again, I don't know how big they were, how far away they are, but the, the kind of, if you, imagine a turntable. And if you, put, if you put a record on a turntable and you put an object on one side of the record, an object on the other side of the record, and then you start it up at 33 RPM and it goes around like that. You're going to have these things that are going round opposite each other on an axis in a motion, but they are individually spinning and blinking. And again, this isn't um, in the middle of This is like 12, 12, 12 noon, 12.30. It's a, quite a clear day. Very, very good day, in fact. Now, there was... They were maybe about 100 feet apart or something like that, but they're spinning, they're going round. And then they started turning on an axis, maybe at a 30-degree angle like this. So if you take the turntable and put it on a 30-degree angle, and these things were interacting with each other, but just going round and round. And then they moved into this new formation, which was squares over doing square formations over Stockport Town Centre pretty much. So where they'd gone through a basic spinning pattern, they stopped, they widened, and I think they must have taken it for, to like three, 400 feet. And then they started doing these right-handed manoeuvres. So you're going... You know, like um, in Manchester, you get those flies that like in the summer, they, they just do right-angled turns and it just seemed to in the middle of the room. They seem to be the only thing that I've ever seen in nature that defies kind of physics where they can go at right angle turns. These were metal balls spinning, going at right angle turns. It, like I said, at first they started like they were spinning opposite each other, then they spread apart, and then they started doing these geometric right angle turns. Whoom, 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 whoom. Just... <laughs> I, I, again, I, I watched this for like 10, 15 minutes and I followed them down the hill as they went north. So, sorry. Yeah, no, that, that's that's really... I know exactly the flies you're talking about as well. They're like, yeah, uh, good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they exist in other places of the world, but they just kind of do those weird little square laps, don't they? Yeah, I've, I've never seen anything like it. And here's a funny thing, right? When people, you know... Back in the day when people would be sceptical about UFOs and say, oh, this is this a load of rubbish. I'm like, well, what about these flies? If these flies can do it, surely you could, somebody can invent technology to do this. Yeah. And then you said um, there was a case of a, a metal sphere that sort of like a, appears to avoid actually being filmed. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the third time, that I, um, the third time I saw them. So they were just down the road. And again, I watched them for about 10 or 15 minutes. The next time I saw one was a few days later. Yeah, uh, the next time I saw one was behind some cloud, but I'll ignore that. I saw one again 
less than a week later, I came out of my house, went up onto the road, made a left turn, and it was there, just hanging there. And I'm like, no way. These things are getting closer and closer to where I live, basically. Um, and as I say, because the first interaction um, in 2020, this thing was was hovering right above me, and it was interacting with me. You know, I, I actually started waving at it at one point, which is pretty funny. I was actually waving at it. I didn't say that in my initial thing, but I was just like, "Hey, look, I'm here." Um, <laughs> but the funny, I'm like, yeah, "No, take me with you. I want to go up there." Um, but no, like joking aside, this was like now the fourth time I'd seen one and it was, it, they're now encroaching where I live. Here I am, you know, right outside my house. And this thing was like immediately north when I turned out and I'm like, no way. Cause I'm so familiar with these now. I decided, well, I'm going to have a look at this. And I thought maybe it's about time I started to properly try and film this because nobody, you know, because the reason that, I think a lot of people are like, why haven't you filmed it? Why haven't you filmed it? Right. When you when you when you when you've gone through your checklist of this is not that, it's not this, it's not that. You go through your prosaic checklist of everything this is not. You can only come to one conclusion. These things are not from this planet, or they're not from this dimension, or whatever. Whatever your preference is, but this isn't human made. These things are you've gone through every that's the last thing you think of it's alien or whatever you know so when you see something like that your initial reaction my initial reaction isn't to take out my phone and start filming it my initial reaction is to enjoy the moment and savor the experience because what i'm gifted with is here i'm seeing something that most people do not get the opportunity to see and i've not seen this this type of activity for 35 years and all of a sudden, I'm getting graced with this activity again. I'm not going to ruin it. Slight, slight aside here. Remember when uh, I'm a big fan of Faith No More. And when Faith No More reformed in 2009, I was so amazed and so happy to go and see this band. Brilliant. Let's, you know, couldn't wait to see them. And what horrified me was like, it, everybody in front, there was just all these phones there holding up, like, let's film the gig to watch when we get home. And it's like, wh why do you do that? Enjoy the experience, yeah. If if you if you're gonna be in touch with something like that's very experiences are unique. That that it's in the moment. You can't relive them. You can't record it and relive it. So for me, the the whole idea of recording UFOs was not part of my spiritual being. I'm just thinking. I'm enjoying this. You know, I, I just I'm, I can't believe this is a gift. You know, I can't believe I'm seeing this. This is fantastic. But anyway, so. The fourth time is the time when I thought, right, maybe I should start trying recording it. So I walked down towards the station and I'm walk and I'm I'm interacting with it now. Clearly this thing has seen me because the closer I got to it, it came low and it started again like the first time I saw them when they were going up and down, up and down. I was like kind of looking at it and kind of projecting and, and it, it came low and there was some element of inter interaction, but as soon as I got my phone out, it went from north, northerly direction, not north, not the exact north, but an, a northerly direction to an easterly direction, 
rapid. It really would not let me phone, uh, would not let me record it on video. And I kept trying to zoom in. I kept trying to capture this thing and I, I couldn't get it. And no matter what I did, um, this thing deliberately evaded and eluded recording. And it kind of went off to an easterly direction and went, then went off pretty rapid. But it, as I say, it went from stationary normally and it was fine. When I was just interacting with it on a one-on-one level, it was absolutely fine. But as soon as I got my phone out and started trying to it just went across the sky. No, thank you. I'm going over here. And then that's the last I saw of those. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So that seems to be like um, an actual reaction to you trying to film the thing, isn't it? You know, it's it's there to perhaps interact with you, but if if you actually try and record it, it, it wasn't having any of it, was it? No, not at all. And and you've seen that video, and it, it was you know clearly that's somebody struggling to capture something in the sky. And there were two that I filmed, but they both turned out the same way. No matter what I did, I could just could not zoom in on it. But the thing is, is it it impacted my experience because every time I saw these things, I was interacting with them, and they stuck around. But and it, like I say, as soon as I pulled the phone out, that was it. It was um, they, they, they didn't want that interaction. <clears throat> Have you noticed any other like? Um kind of communication aspects with these spheres like if you've thought you know like sometimes when people talk about c5 experiences and things like that they'll say like they almost ask a question to the um to the to the orb and and it might sort of like glow a certain light you know the a flash of light or something on on you know on request almost have you ever noticed anything like that or was the avoidance of being filmed kind of the only time that you've had that direct sort of communication aspect yeah, the 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 filming seemed to impeach on our interaction because with with the second time when they were doing the when they were doing the dance and then moving into the 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 kind of square the 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 right angle flight formations, they I followed them that I followed them down the hill that time and in as I said that was another ten or fifteen minutes experience. The first time I saw them, it was hovering over me. It was going up and down. I was waving at it. I was like, wait, you know, ten or fifteen minute experience. As soon as the camera came out, it was impeaching on the agreement. And I think it's this, probably the same thing. You know, I, I don't want to get you know weird, but you know, it's like you know. If you're in a relationship with somebody, you share intimate moments. If you suddenly whip your camera out and decide to start filming it, they probably got you know you're gonna get a bad reaction, aren't you? You know. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point, isn't it? Yeah, if you're having a, a conversation with a your relative stranger in the bar, you just so happen to strike up a conversation. That's one thing. But if you pull your phone out and stick it in the face, <laughs> they're not yeah. gonna like yeah. it most times, are they? This is this is what I mean. Yeah, this is what I mean. Um, it you know I think. We need to we need to look at the consciousness aspect of this and look at our place in the universe, and that this is why I use the um, the gig scenario as as an example, because if you're going to go and see your favourite band, so can the experience. I, I will guarantee that that band does not want you to stand there with your phone filming them for ninety minutes. That's not what the band's there for. The band is there. To have an experience with you, and I think the I think these if these things are reaching out to us and trying to get us into the co- cosmic family or whatever, 
you know, they, they, they don't want, they don't want a phone, you know, they don't want to be filmed. I mean, you know, celebrities don't, it's just, it's just such an impersonal thing. It's such a pathetic thing, really. Oh, oh, if, if, you, if it was, if it wasn't caught on film or you didn't take a picture, then it never happened. And it's like, what, whatever happened to personal experience, whatever happened to, you know, whatever happened to, you know, experiencing life in its rawest form. I, I just, we don't get it. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thought, to be honest. It's something I've never really uh, considered much before, like the from the, the point of view of, obviously, first of all, assuming that there is, you know, an intelligence that's here, that's, that's attempting to interact with people on this on this planet, the nature of that engagement would be completely different now to what it would have been in the 50s or the 60s or even the 70s when there was no mobile phones. But like you said, every single person now, something strange happens the, the first instinctive reaction is to is to is to whip out a phone isn't it and if you look at it from the point of view of if there was another intelligence intelligence out there trying to observe us or uh, to interact with us they would have to change the very nature of that engagement just because now everybody's got a phone you know it's a, it's an interesting thought to, an avenue to go down now isn't it yeah i mean I, I i think there's an element where i think they want to be seen and they want to interact but I think they're trying to win personally. And it, like I say, look, I could be wrong. What do I know? You know, I'm not an expert. I've just engaged in a certain amount of contact with these things. But my, my personal gut reaction and my feeling from these experiences is that these things are trying to, I, I think there's an element of something trying to reach out to us. And are we mature enough on a cosmic level to, you know, to engage with it? And I, I, whipping out a camera and taking a photo so you can prove it to your friends has to be the most shallow, pointless. I mean, I'm sorry, but it's it's a selfie. It's like taking a selfie. I'm not gonna, you know. If I just I just find it ridiculous. I, it, it, I think it's about the consciousness and spirituality aspect is really important, and it's this is how we get to the next level once we grow up and start realising what is important and what isn't important, I think that's when we'll move on to the next level. But whipping out your camera and taking a picture of these things just so that you can prove that it happened, maybe the human race needs to start trusting each other and coming together and going, well, no, let's trust our feelings a little bit more. Let's trust our instinct. Is this person? Let's trust this person who's telling the story. You know, people who are listening to this now could, you know, could, could think, you know, you can think whatever you want about it. This is just an experience that I've had. And I think people who are on the level of people who get it will say, wow, that's really interesting what he's talking about. I understand what he's saying. And they'll feel it on an emotional level. They'll understand it and realize that, you know, I'm just expressing something that happened to me and telling you an interesting story about the way that maybe the universe works. I don't need a, I don't think I need a picture or a video to prove it. And I think once we move beyond that, once we start connecting with each other as people and human beings and start, you know, figuring the universe out, once we grow up a little bit as a species, I think maybe we can move on to the next level. It's not about proving it with photos and videos. And you know, it's been clearly the phenomenon has been here all along. You know, if you look back at it, it's been here all along and it, it doesn't require photos of proof. Funnily enough, you know, that kind of goes into the religious element, doesn't it? Because, you know, why, why would you require photos and video evidence of of 
um, of, of, re- of religion of Jesus Christ, but still, so many people believe in that. You know, it's yeah. Well, there's 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 some interesting in links to be made with with uh, UFOs and religion. That's for sure. But let's get back to that um, the shape shifting uh, UFO because that was something that did the rounds in various different uh, news articles as well. It was was it something that a passenger of a, a plane had seen out of the window? It was like a kind of a wispy shape shifting type of object. And I think uh, you saw something similar as well, didn't you? Yeah. So um, so a week at, was it? Um, this was early August. So it was a couple. It was a few weeks after I'd last tried to take a video of um, of the the metal sphere. Um, now this this is a good one because I was at work, so I actually got a witness to this. Um, I went for a walk around the block around work. It was about four p.m. in the afternoon, and I'm always looking at the sky because I've been interacting with these these metal spheres. Um, and I did this walk around the block. And then I suddenly saw this. I saw the intermittent flashing again when I came back to the front of work, and um, behind the clouds was just this one point five second flashing. I thought, "Oh, the metal spheres are back now." Not only are they right above where I live, now they've figured out where I work. Um, and so, so yeah. So I thought, right. So now they've moved from. Yeah, so now they moved from Stockport to Manchester. That's weird. So I, I was stood on the on on Old Mill Street watching it, and it was hiding behind a cloud for about two minutes. And then when it came out from behind a cloud, it wasn't the metal sphere. It was that shape shifting UFO that that if you, if you put in um, to people who don't understand or haven't heard of this, if you just search into YouTube shape shifting UFO. It's this weird kind of metallic jellyfish type thing that somebody, um, I think it was a flight from Germany. They, I didn't know this at the time. I found this out afterwards that this person had filmed this object um, and it's like a metallic jellyfish. It starts out like a jellyfish and then it moves into different geometric patterns and it it goes from like a, 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 a like a flying metallic jellyfish to a like a letter Y. Like it's a, a a big long oblong with sticks on the top, and then it went, then it formed into like a rhombus or a trapezius, or you know, it kind of shaped weird mathematical shapes, weird mathematical shapes that were almost that were just like, like the T one thousand morphing into different kind of weird shapes. Yeah, it was very very organic. So I'm watching this for about two or three minutes, and I picked up the phone and I went. I've been telling um, I've been telling the electrician at work, oh, I keep seeing these metal orbs, and he was like, "Yeah, okay, cool." But anyway, I phoned him. I said, "Come downstairs now." And he went, "Is it got something to do with UFOs?" And I went, "Yeah, just come downstairs really quickly." <laughs> so he comes running downstairs, and um, me and him are stood watching this thing, and it started in an overly, like I said, shape shifting UFO. It's just going from shape to shape, and again, this is another situation that lasted about ten minutes. There's no myth- misidentification here. We're not like, you know, hallucinating or seeing a mylar balloon or a carrier bag or a seagull and thinking we've seen something that's out out of this world when it wasn't. We're seeing we're watching this thing for ten minutes as it goes from a northerly direction to you know to a to a westerly across across Manchester city centre. I mean, it it 
I couldn't tell you how far high up it was because I don't know how big the thing is. But if you go shape-shifting UFO in in YouTube, you'll find it straight away. And that video is so accurate. That is exactly what I saw flying above Manchester about a week or two before I saw the video. And I've sent you a few videos that are kind of um, kind of similar and accurate to what I've seen. And I've searched these things to, you know, kind of get some basis. And yeah, there is evidence out there of these things that were actually occurring. One of them, the egg, was actually spotted over NORAD around the exact, uh, in Colorado, was spotted over a NORAD air base in Colorado around the same time I saw it in Stockport. And, you know, you can search that online. I think it was the Express posted that, so. Yeah, no, that's, it's it's really interesting. The shape-shifting one, do you think there's links with the other metallic spheres or do you think it's a separate thing? Did you get any sense of that when you were witnessing it? Well, again, um, the thing is, is who knows? When I said... I thought the probes were when I when I thought the metal spheres were probes for the eggs, for the egg. I was making a um, a gut feeling judgment, but when you kind of put things together, um, the black triangle in the eighties scanned me for about sixty seconds, I'd say, and then went on its way the metal sphere hung over me and interacted me in a certain way. And then after I'd kind of had those interactions with the metal spheres, the, the shape shifting UFO was kind of like the end of it. And that was right over work. And there's something that links all these things together, but I don't know what it is, but since then I've not seen anything. And Apart from the first one being in 2020, there was like I had five or six sightings within six weeks, and then it all stopped. Not only that is, I think I mentioned to you in the messages um, during this time when I was at work, I, I felt constantly like I was being watched, and I could get scared when I was opening up the mill and locking up at night because I constantly felt like I was being watched. But after these events occurred, I don't. I lock up and I open up and lock up the mill and I, I never have any feeling like anybody's watching me. I'm not scared. There's something weird that links all these things together, but I don't know what it is, but it's certainly linked together. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, there definitely seems to be a thread running through it, but like you say, I have no idea what the thread is, but it sure is fascinating to hear about it. Well, listen, man, we're coming up to uh, an hour. So I know we'd mentioned we might discuss some things to do with the woo side of things as well. But I think probably the best thing, just the way the conversation's gone, I thought there's a lot of things I wanted to ask you and stuff like that. So this is perfect for an hour. And then perhaps if you would like to, in the new year, get you back on again to have another discussion about some of the more woo type of elements, if you like. I was thinking the exact same thing. That's why I sent you the email initially. So yeah, great, great minds think alike, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so I think yeah, we'll, we'll we'll leave it there for this one then. And like I say, thanks a lot for sharing all of that, you know. And, and uh, thanks for uh, going into as much detail as you had. It's been it's been really interesting, man. It's been a great chat, and I think the listeners will get a lot out of it as well. So uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. 
And um, when we met at the Minicon, um, I think we should give a shout out to uh, Ash and Abigail for for arranging that Minicon because it was fantastic. That was, um, I think, I think that was a real highlight after such a terrible. I mean, everybody's had a terrible couple of years, but to be able to come together and to meet yourself and to meet Andy and to meet Graham. Graham Rendell, I mean, wow, you know, and the, the people that we, you know, Ash, the people that we got to meet at that Minicon, it was a fantastic um, way to come out of the whole lockdown situation and to bring a community together like we have done now, you know, there was a bleak two years where we had nothing and now we've got some really great friends, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, we, we made a lot of really great friends here. De- definitely, yeah, and like I say, this is why I wanted to start doing these sort of like voices of the community themed episodes because there's been so many you know interesting people friends that I've made since doing the podcast obviously yourself included in that I thought it'd be and the conversations we had at the minicon and things as well you know were um you know really interesting and we said didn't we when we were chatting around that table that imagine if you could just have a microphone here and make this into an episode and that's basically what we've ended up doing so uh yeah it's great that we made it happen man so um yeah do you want to uh just let everybody know what your twitter is in case people want to check out your twitter i'd have to check myself um agent black acid (laughs) (laughs) i think it's agent black acid but i mean for me i mean look i i go on and off twitter i like look I think um, I think the UFO um, the UFO community is great. It's, you get these breadcrumbs every now and again, and you know that's fantastic. But you know I, I don't spend too much time online because I just find it a little bit. Um, I don't like the fact that people are waiting for news to drop every day. This is this it's not a sprint. This is you know, and I don't want to be talking cliches, but this is something that occurs over a lifetime, and I can't. Like I say, after the things that I've been talking about, I can't express enough that this is not about um, news dropping every minute. It's a spiritual thing. It's a consciousness thing. At the end of the day, this is the question to why are we here? (laughs) Are we alone in the universe? So you're not going to get instant answers. So for me, I go in and out of Twitter just to keep up with people like yourself and, you know, um, you know, UCR and Andy and, you know, somewhere in the skies, these great resources of information, but I can't express enough to people that, you know, I think it's really important that we look at the bigger picture. We, we don't look at the, um, you know, we don't look for instant gratification. This is a, um, no, it's, it's, it's a long yeah, haul. It's a, it's a marathon, it's a not a sprint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. And I just just checked your Twitter. It is uh, at Agent Black Acid for anybody who wants to go and uh, check out Nick's uh, Twitter on there. So thanks again, man. And we'll do it again soon with the, the more woo side of things. UFO Podcast.